SealingGodsPeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard, DennisBeard.org, our website, SealingGodsPeople.org. Yes, you heard it right, SealingGodsPeople.org. And after that, you have received the Word of God. You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise until that day of redemption. But there's many sealings. There's three different stages of growth in the body of Christ. And we must give our due diligence to grow up into Him in all things. We're called to be kings and priests unto the Lord our God, and we will reign with Him in the earth for 1,000 years in the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We are to come unto perfection. That's the work of the ministry. Now, the work of the ministry will only be those that have overcome and been counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which they suffered. You'll notice in Matthew 7, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is speaking of the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. What it's going to take to be counted worthy of the kingdom of heaven in obedience. And we find in Matthew 7 that he says some shocking words. He says, not all that say unto me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Now, no man can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost, saved by the Holy Ghost. That means you have to have the revelation that Jesus is the Lord. But these had that revelation. They have that revelation. Yet, they did not make that second sealing, that second work of the ministry. They did not make that overcoming there or as an overcomer in obedience unto righteousness. You see, in Romans 6, even though we have the Holy Ghost, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be spiritually minded, uh, there we set our affections on the things above, not on the things beneath. It's to be heavenly minded. There in Romans 6, it says, Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death. Oh, my, well, he's talking about the ones that have the Holy Ghost there. Even though we have the Holy Ghost, we can, uh, can elect not to obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. We can have our own will and do our own thing that be it the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And because of that, we will not inherit that kingdom of God. We must do the will of God. And that's the reason why in Matthew 7, Jesus said, Not all that say to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Well, that Lord is Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Then they will begin to profess unto Jesus, Lord, We've done many wonderful works in thy name. We've cast out devils in your name. we prophesied in your name. And then the Lord Jesus will say unto them, Depart from me, you that work iniquity, you workers of iniquity. Not workers of righteousness, but workers of iniquity. Iniquity, not sin. Sin's a transgression of the law, but the byproduct of iniquity will be sin because iniquity is lawlessness. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. But they did not obey or 
yield their members in obedience to the Holy Ghost in doing his will. And that's the reason we hear Jesus say those frightful words, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you, for you did not do the will of my Father which is in heaven. Oh, what frightful words. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We must make sure that we are sealed, that we grow up into him in all things. Now, the things are the things of faith. Now, in this podcast, we're going to be talking about the second stage of growth. The first stage, as you will recall in the first episodes, is that we went from newborn babes that desire the sincere miracle of the word that they may grow thereby unto little children. And we find that John in his epistle, 1 John 2, verse 12 through 14, mentions that first stage of growth. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And I write unto you, little children, because you've known the Father. Well, there's two criteria there. Number one, you've been born again. You've been born of the water and the Spirit. And two, you know the Father. You know that Jesus is the Father of glory, the Father revealed. God manifests in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. So we see there's only one way to be born again, born of the water and the Spirit. And that is first, on the day of Pentecost, Peter having the keys to the kingdom, And the Holy Ghost was given on that day of Pentecost. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Peter, who was standing up along with the other 11, said, repent. He didn't stop there. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. That's born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's born of the Spirit. For the promise unto you, your children, the many far off, even to as many as the Lord our God shall call. That's one criteria. Born again, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. But John also says, I run to you, little children, because you've known the Father. You know that Jesus Christ is the Father of glory. Jesus said, You've seen me, you've seen the Father. We find in John eight thirteen, in the other episode there, and the first sealing. Jesus stated there in John 8, 24, except you believe that I am he, the father of glory, you shall die in your sins. This understood not that he spake to them of the father. There, Jesus said in John 14, have I been so long time with you? And yet hast thou not known me, Philip, he that has seen me, have seen the father. And how sayest thou then showest the father? Believe me that I am in my father, my father in me, or else believe me for the work's sake. For the words that I speak are not mine, but the Father that dwelleth in me, houses permanently in me. He's the one doing the work. Jesus said, I and my Father are one, John 10, 30. That mystery of godliness, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 16, God himself was manifest in the flesh. There you have that truth. Then Colossians 2, 9, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelleth in Christ Jesus bodily. One body with all the fullness of the Godhead uh, Jesus being the God of glory manifest in the flesh, the word made flesh, the only begotten of God, full of grace and truth. Now, that's the first stage. You've grown from babes uh, unto little children. Now, we're going to be talking in this broadcast 
about the second stage of growth. That second stage of growth is a ceiling according to the overcomer. A ceiling according to obedience unto righteousness. You see in Romans 6, it says, even though those that have the Holy Ghost, whosoever sins, whosoever, you take your members and you yield your members to whom you obey, to him are you the servants to whom you obey. In other words, even though I have the Holy Ghost, if I do not obey the Holy Ghost and I'm not being led of the Spirit of God and I know to do good and I don't do it, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it's sin in the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus because now the law is written upon the tables of our heart and in our mind, not on tables of stone anymore. There, the Holy Ghost leads us and guides us into all truth. So, whosoever we yield our members of servants to obey, him are the servants to whom we obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, righteousness, in John 16, Jesus stated that when the Holy Ghost has come, he will... He will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. And of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Now what is righteousness? Jesus said, I go to my Father. He proceeded from the Father. If we have water that proceeds from a waterfall and proceeds down into a lake it proceeded from a higher level to a lower level jesus proceeded from the father and came into the world then he left the world and went back to the father that is righteousness he came from god went back to god not beside god to god he proceeded from the father went back to the father not beside the father that's a place he prepared for us, the body of Christ. But he went back to the Father. Revelation 3, 21, Jesus said to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne. That's a place he's prepared for us where we're made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But where did you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, a state of glory, settled even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, down in my Father's throne. All power in heaven and earth given unto him. That's the reason Jesus came out of the tomb, Matthew 28, 18, saying to his disciples, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. That did not leave the Father's powers so powerless because Jesus was glorified with the Father's own self, with the glory he had with the Father before the world was. John 17, 5. We find also in Acts 2, 36, that all the house of Israel know assuredly that same Jesus, whom you crucified, God hath made him, both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, that Spirit. Galatians 4, 6, God has sent forth the Spirit of us, of his Son into our hearts, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. There's only one body, 
one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who's above all, Father of all, and in us all. That is Jesus Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you have that doctrine of Christ, you know that Jesus is the Father in spirit and manifests in a body of flesh as the Son of God. The Son of God is the Father revealed. Therefore, if you acknowledge the Son, you also acknowledge the Father. But he that denieth the Son, he that denieth the Son, hath denied the Father also. And that is the doctrine of Christ. These, these overcomers know that doctrine of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The life they live, they live by the faith of the Son of God. Just as Paul stated in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For me to live is Christ. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory, leading you and guiding you into all truth, not partial truth, not a one verse, Charlie, but leading you and guiding you into all truth as we earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints, Jude 3. We are in that time in the last days that we are to have grown from babes to little children because our sins are forgiven for his name's sake. We've been born of the water and the spirit, according to Acts 2.38. And two, second criteria, and we've known the Father. Now, there were little children. We've gone from babies to little children. The next stage of growth is, uh, according to Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for you is. Now, he has written that law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus upon our hearts and in our minds, but we receive that through the word. You see, after that you have received the word, you were sealed you were sealed with that seal of righteousness. Sealed with that Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. If we follow on to know the Lord. If we walk in the light as he's in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That must, needs be that we obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. There we find that John stated in 1 John 2, verse 12 through 14, I write unto you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you. How did he get there? Well, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We listen to uh, the Holy Ghost moving on the anointing through apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It's for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. We also now have put our face, our mind, and diligently seeking the Lord our God. We get into the Word of God, 
and we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And we're not conformed to this world, but be, we're transformed by the renewing of our, of our mind that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. Why is that necessary? Because if we don't do the will of God, then on that second ceiling, that second growth, that, that young man, because even though they knew that Jesus is the Lord of glory in Matthew 7, and they called him Lord, Lord, and no man can call him Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, saved by the Holy Ghost. They had that revelation. They were born again. Not only that, they had the revelation that he is the Father of glory. The only thing they did not do is they missed that second ceiling, that growth unto young men. I write unto you, write unto you young men, because the word of God is strong in you. Did they obey it? Yes, because it said, I write unto you young men, because you've overcome the wicked one. You overcome the devil, the world, and your own flesh. For you're crucified with Christ. It is that those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. You have sought him in obedience, denying your own self-will in order to do the will of God. You've been through tribulation. That tribulation worked patience. Patience worketh experience, and experience worketh hope. Hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. Now, I'm quoting from you King James Version. Now, there's others, the ESV and the LT and the KJV. Understand that. But we'll be using the KJV, the authorized version, for these broadcasts. And we'll do so because there's a reason why in the revelation of Jesus that it so explicitly of the Holy Ghost leads us into the throne room presence of God in the proceeding word that is now flowing from the throne of God to those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. There, the young men, they are overcomers. They have read the word of God, diligently seeking the Lord their God to make sure that they're doing the will of God in all things both spirit, soul, and body. They have heeded the call in Romans 6 that whosoever you yield your members of service to obey him with the service to whom you obey. They realize that obedience is required. You can't just live any way and expect God to accept it. We must sanctify ourselves, both spirit, soul, and body, that we all may be presented blameless at his coming. They have in obedience unto righteousness, unto holiness, they have obeyed the leading of the Spirit of God. Now, that requires denying the self-will of uh, that believer. Not what they wanted to do, but doing the will of God. And there's only way to prove what that will of God is. You see, in Matthew 7, even though they said, Lord, Lord, they missed that second ceiling, that ceiling of young men that have overcome the wicked one, that the word of God was strong in them because they did not do the will of the Father. They didn't do the will of our Lord Jesus. And because of that, Jesus said, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
you workers of iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness, not being led of the Spirit of God. Now, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it's sin. We must love the brethren. We must prefer our brothers above ourselves, condescending to men of low estate. How don't we know we've been passed from death unto life into the kingdom of his dear son? Because we have love for the brethren. Any man that hates his brother is still in death, still abiding in death, John tells us. But if we walk in that light and we prefer our brethren above ourselves, we have perceived the love of God because he laid down his life for us, 1 John 3, 16. Therefore, we ought to lay down our, our lives for the brethren. And that love that passes all understanding is what the young men have. They've overcome that wicked one. They, the word of God is strong in them. They realized that they're always delivered unto death, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, they live. They're always delivered unto death, that the life of the Lord Jesus may be manifest in their mortal bodies. Paul put it this way, with trouble on every side, but not in distress, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? that the life of the Lord Jesus may be manifest in our mortal bodies. For we which live are always delivered unto death, that the life of the Lord Jesus may be manifest in our mortal bodies. And this light affliction, which is only but for a moment, worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. 1 Peter 4.1 For as much then as Christ has suffered in the flesh, be ye therefore likewise minded, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So therefore, when we see the word of God and we, we see a commandment to love the brethren, we see that he says, sell that thou hast and give alms in Luke 12. We become obedient to the word of God, even though the flesh, crucifying the flesh, the flesh hates that. The flesh literally comes up as an enmity against the spirit and the spirit is enmity against the flesh. But whosoever will do the will of God, whosoever loves the Lord with all of his heart, that does not love the world and the things in the world, the lust of the world, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh, and the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But whosoever doeth the will of God, does it, not just to hear of the word, whosoever doeth the will of God, abideth forever. These young men is a second sealing according to the overcomer, according to the work that you're called for in the body of Christ. We see that also in Exodus 28. And there in the first sealing, it's an engraving of a signet. That sign is a signet. If it's seal that, that seal of righteousness, which is a sign there given to us, Romans 4, it's that seal, it's a sign, which is a seal of righteousness, that after we've received that word of God, we're sealed with that Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We, if we follow on, if we obey, if we grow up in him in all things. For, for God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Notice the next, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power 
might be of God and not of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, that perfect word of God, that crystal sea of the knowledges of God, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Not us, but being in obedient to the spirit, crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lusts. There we find in Exodus 28, that first sealing is according to the birth. It's an engraver, an engraver of an engravings of a signet, a sign, a law of That signet is a S-I-G-N sign, which is a seal. And then it's an E-T, a law of That's the first and last letter of the Hebrew ABC theory. It means that you've grown from A to Z, the Aleph to the Tav, the Alpha to the Omega, in all things in Christ, that you have been a, a, a partaker of his sufferings, there being made conformable unto his death. Not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him, that you be, might be found not having your own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. Whosoever believe that Jesus is the Christ, that is the Father of glory, that came into the world, manifest and went back, is born of God. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. There in Exodus 28, that first engraving uh, of a signet, a sign aloft tav, that first sealing from the aloft to the tav, the A to Z, in fullness, is according to birth. But that's the first one. That's the first level, going from babes to little children. Now we're going in the body of Christ in obedience as an overcomer. I write into you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you and you've overcome the wicked one. There we find in that second engraving of a signet is on the breastplate. And it's according to the work, the work that God has called you for. Members in particular, each one having a diverse color a different work, but yet the same spirit, different ministrations, different ministries, yes, but the same spirit. And each one, each member in the body of Christ has a specific job, a specific duty to do as the Lord hath placed it in his body. God worketh in you both the willing to do of his good pleasure, not ours, not what we want, but the leading of God in doing his will. God worketh in you. It's a mightily effectual working of the Holy Ghost. God wanting you and I to receive the kingdom more than we want it, more than we desire it. For it's the Father's good pleasure to give us a kingdom. We must there strive to enter in. We must press 
Why press? Because the flesh doesn't want to do it. The flesh is an enmity with the spirit, and the spirit's enmity with the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. You cannot do both. If you're doing your own will, you can't do the will of God. If you please men, you won't please God. You can't love mammon and God. He, you cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon's money, the things of this world. The love of money is the root of all evil. And though if riches increase, don't set your heart upon them. Because those that will be rich fall into uh, divers lust and many temptations. There we put aside our own will. We crucify our will. And not my will, not your will, but God's will be done. These are the ones that have a specific order according to their order, according to their tribes. The oath to the tribes in Habakkuk 3. What shall appall thy people in the last days according to the oath to the tribes? We find that in Genesis 49 and the Song of Moses in Deuteronomy 32 and 33. This oath to the tribes is each one will have a different sign, a different standard. And each one will have a different work that they will do. Not all will be called to be apostles. Not all will be called to be prophets. There'll be governments. There'll be helps. There'll be uh, those that have miracles. Divers things and ministrations of the Holy Ghost. But still one body. But members in particular. And God has put the more abundant honor on the less comely parts that there'd be no chism or division in the body. God's never been for division. We must come out of division, which are heresies or denominations. Somebody said, well, I don't see what's wrong with the denomination. Well, it's man's government, and we answer to man. Somebody said, well, you got to answer to somebody. You answer to the Lord as he's put you in that body of Christ. You obey them that have the rule over you, and them are the elders and the ones that give an answer for your soul. But it's not to rule and reign over you, but they are to be ensembles to the flock. And God never put one pastor over one church. He put pastors. They ordained elders over the church. And this was how Paul told Titus to set up elders in the church as he had given him told him to do. As we press toward that mark for the prize, we find that Paul stated it to the church of Philippi, Lydia, the, the uh, church being in her house, that Paul said, I'm not perfect yet, neither have I already, already attained. Now, Paul wrote 14 books of the New Testament out of 27 books, assuming that you uh, allow Paul to be the author of Hebrews. Some do, some don't. But regardless, Paul being uh, definitely the bringer in of the grace of God uh, and not disobedient to the heavenly vision that was given to him. Did not receive it of man, but, but from God himself. There, others will say, unless you receive it straight from God, then it's not of God. Well, Timothy was an apostle. He received it from uh, the, the leading of Paul. Follow me, Paul said, as I Follow the Lord. It's all the Lord, regardless if it's an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, or works, or governments, or helps, uh, or uh, gifts of, of miracles and healings, whatever. It's all the Holy Ghost. It's all Jesus. No man 
can boast of works, lest any man boast, but it's by grace. Through faith are you saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's not the works of the law. By the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. But we must walk according to the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and therefore not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And walking in that spirit, that heavenly mind, there will be no chance of falling away. No opportunity for falling away. For we must add to our faith virtue. Now, virtue is living a virtuous life, being true to God in our heart, not deceiving and deceiving one another, for God knows all things. So you add to your faith virtue. And virtue, knowledge. My people perish your lack of knowledge. So you're adding to that virtue knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord. Growing up into him in all things, this knowledge by faith. Then from there, have we, are we fully grown yet? Are we fully sealed? No. We have to go from, from the faith, adding virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance. The man of God and the ministers of God and the body of Christ must be temperate in all things, self-controlled in all things, knowing how to rule your spirit, your human spirit. And then to temperance, you've got to add patience. Now, tribulation worketh patience, patience experience, and experience worketh hope. Hope makes it not the same because the love of God shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. But let patience have her perfect work, that after you have done the will of God, you have need of patience, that you will receive the full reward. That patience, then, is faith, holding on to faith until we have received our reward, our promise there in the Word. God said it, that settled it. Then we have to go to godliness. We add to faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, the God life, the Christ life through you, a living epistle, lively stones, where it's built up a spiritual house whereby we offer praises unto God, even the calves of our lips. That godliness then, somebody said, well, surely that's enough. No, then you go to brotherly kindness. That's where you prefer your brother above yourself. You love the brother. You condescend to men of low estate. Their brotherly kindness, the church at Philadelphia, then it goes to charity. Charity is the bond, guarantee of perfectness. Charity will cover a multitude of sins. Charity is not love. But charity is love based in doing his will. Not a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. It's based in the word of God. For he that loveth God keepeth his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Take and learn of me, Jesus said. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. But the way of a transgressor is hard. That charity is the last perfection. It gets us to the ceiling of the young men. I write to you young men because the word of God is strong in you. You've done the will of God. You've overcome the wicked one. And you will be counted worthy of that kingdom. Because you see in 2 Thessalonians, that first chapter, your faith groweth exceedingly. You're going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. And the charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another. How did you get that charity? 
Well, it's a growth process. In that growth, in that ceiling, you go from faith and you added virtue to it. Virtue, you added the knowledge. Knowledge, temperance. Temperance, patience. Patience, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness, charity. And that charity abounds one toward another. That charity is the love of God based in doing His will, doing the work. It's not just love. He that loveth God keepeth His commandments. They do His will. That's charity. Self is alone, not bought of not itself, not easily, not, uh, seeketh not his own, not bought of not itself, not easily puffed up. Rejoices in the truth. Never fails, but it rejoices in the truth. That charity, thereby the faith, hope, and charity, the greatest of these is charity. And when that charity, that stage of growth, when the body of Christ comes into that ceiling of the young man, then you're going to the follow, following. You'll be known even as you are known. All that which is in part will be done away with. We have knowledge in part. We prophesy in part. We know in part. But when that which is perfect has come, that charity level, that seventh level, that seventh perfection, that you're sealed as young men, that you have done the will of God, you've overcome the wicked one, the word of God is strong in you, then God's got a work of the ministry for you to do. We find that, that work of the tribes, that work of the ministry in Exodus 28 upon the breastplate of the high priest, and you're called as kings and priests unto the Lord your God. It tells us what is the first sealing is according to the birth, the engraving of a signet, according to the birth. There's no difference between one another. God's no respect of persons. Both, all tribes are written upon the onyx stones. Means to blanch or to make white upon each shoulder of the high priest. But then you go down to the next engraving of a signet. That of uh, the sealing of uh, the young men. That the word of God is strong in them. And they've overcome the wicked one. They they are doing the will of God. They, not a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. There's a ceiling there. And just as we see in Exodus 28, it's an engraving of a signet. There's that sign again. That's that seal. And uh, it's according to the tribes. On the first row of the breastplate of judgment, you're going to have that sardius, and it goes across on the stones. Judah, Issachar, and Zebulun. Under Judah... That standard, that sign that will be lifted up is that of a lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah is the standard of Judah. Faces toward the east with Issachar and Zebulun. But then there's a second row. And everyone has a diverse stone. Different stones, different ministrations, but the same spirit. This is on the heart, the breast of the high priest. That second row, you have Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. And under Reuben, that sign that you see lifted up is that of a man on the south. Uh, eastward, you have Judah. Southward, you have Reuben. See your son. And there you have a standard of a man, a signed man. 
The third row, still diversification. You have uh, Ephraim, Manasseh, and Benoni or Benjamin. Rachel called him Benoni, but Jacob called him uh, Benjamin, son of my right hand. There you have Ephraim to the west under the standard or the sign of an ox, the suffering servant. And then finally the last row, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Dan to the north under the standard of the sign of an eagle. There to the north you have Dan, Asher, and Naphtali under the eagle. So as we see that making a perfect cross going through the wilderness and the battle order according to the tribes of a man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then afterward those that are Christ at his coming. Now that parousia, the coming, that coming, there will be a second coming of Jesus when he comes a second time without sin unto salvation for his saints. But there is a coming in the latter rain. You see in Hosea 6, and this is where we're at now. This is the sealing of the servants of God in their forehead. Before they reach there, it's doing the will of God, overcoming the wicked one. That you have suffered persecution and tribulation, 2 Thessalonians 1, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. For what reason? that you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you suffer. Not the devil, friend. God working in you. And no, no one is without chastisement of the rod of God. Now, no chastisement for the present time seemeth to be joyous, but afterwards yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness. There, if any man be without chastisement of which all are partakers, all of us in the body of Christ, then are you bastards and not sons. We must examine ourselves with the spirit of Christ in us lest we be reprobate. Very important that we have the feeling there that we've overcome the wicked one and the word of God is strong in us. We find in Genesis 3, after the fall of Adam, he says the first proto-evangel in Genesis 3.15, speaking to the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you, serpent, and the woman, between your seed and her seed. It shall bruise uh, your head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Not the woman, her heel, but his heel, speaking of Christ. The woman will bring forth a man-child. And we see this. In Revelation 12, as a sign, a sealing, a sign of a woman, a great wonder in heaven. That wonder is a sign. I saw a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon and under her feet and upon her head, a crown of 12 stars. She cried in travailing in pain to be delivered. She is fighting a dragon. We fought the old serpent. We fought that devil as a serpent. We have fought him as a scorpion. 
but now in the last days we will fight him as a dragon. A time of trouble such as never was, such was a nation, neither shall ever be again. That dragon cometh to devour her child as soon as it was born. But she brought forth a man child, caught up to God and to his throne. That's throne room revelation. That is the sealing of young men that's going on to fathers. Having the seal of the living God in their foreheads, Revelation 7. And these are the ones that will be used in the work of the ministry. We will get into that in direct, definite detail in our next episode in our podcast. Now know that we must be obedient to doing the will of God in order to be sealed as young men. When we see that Jesus makes a way for mankind to be saved, did he want Adam to fall? Was that the will of God for Adam to fall? No, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. God knows all things. And in his foreknowledge, he has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the first fruits of the brethren. He has the preeminence in all things. And those that he predestined them, he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, he glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And that is the work of the ministry that we're heading for as fathers being sealed in our forehead. This is Ephesians 4.11 that he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Now, the biggest lie that's out there is that God says that you cannot be perfect. That is a complete lie. Jesus said, be you perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He expects it. Somebody said Jesus was the only perfect man. No, Jesus was the only sinless man. Noah was perfect in his generation, but he didn't say he was. God did. Job was a man that feared God to shoot evil and was perfect in all his ways. Job didn't say he was perfect. God did. Paul put it this way, the church of Philippi. He said, I haven't already attained yet, neither am I already perfect. But I'm reaching forth of those things which are before. Those things are the things of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Jesus said it'd be progressive to his disciples. He'd walked with them three and a half years and then said, I have many things to tell you disciples, but you're not able to bear them now. But when the Holy Ghost has come, he'll speak of me. For all that the Father's given has given unto me. Therefore, I said he would speak of me and show you things which will come to pass. That's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Revelation 1 verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He sent and signified it, signed it, the engraving of an engraver of a signet and signet, signed it, signature of God unto his servants by his angel unto John. 
That's where we are right now to those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. You'll notice there that the Lord makes provision in Genesis 3. He said cherubim at the east end of the garden of God, the east. Why the east? Because east, eastwards are MD. It is 144. It's the work of the Holy Ghost. Not ours, but the work of God himself. He said cherubim at the east end of the garden of God. And we find in Revelation 7, there's going to be an angel ascending out of the east, having the seal of the living God. Jesus has already performed the work you completed in him and have need of nothing else on whom you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by baptism with faith and the operation of God when he raised him from the dead. Colossians 2, 10 through 12. There you began that work as a sealing according to birth. Now, we're going in a ceiling of young men. The word of God is strong in you. And you've overcome the wicked one. Only by that cherubim set at the east end in, of the garden of God to keep the way. To keep the way. Not to keep man out, but keep the way. He set cherubim at the east end of the garden of God to keep the way. That way is the way, truth, and life, Jesus Christ being uh, the only salvation. To keep the way of the tree of life. That way, truth, and life is none other than Jesus Christ. He is that capital C there in Genesis 3, the cherubim. We're going to see that he is that lion of the tribe of Judah in Matthew's gospel. In Mark, we're going to see him as a perfect man, Reuben. See him as a perfect man in Mark. And no one cares about the birth or genealogy of the perfect man. They want to see the miracles. There are more miracles in Mark than all the other gospels combined. Then Luke, we'll see the suffering servant, the ox. There's the lion, man, ox, Luke proclaims Jesus as that ox in his gospel of Jesus Christ. Then John, the beloved, he proclaims Jesus as that flying eagle, three terrestrial, one celestial. John sees him and shows the great revelation that he, though in the days of his flesh, is the father of glory revealed in the earth and goes back to the father. The lion, man, ox, and eagle is none other than Jesus Christ that kept the way of the tree of life. He is our example. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Now, we are to walk in that life. We are to walk in that light, which is the life of men. And the life is the light. And that life would be in the Son of God, Jesus Christ, God manifest in the flesh. There in Ezekiel 1 and Ezekiel 10, it says that the living creatures came out of the fire having the appearance of a man. What is that man? That man is Jesus, the head, you, the body of the Christ. And they four had their four faces, and each of the four faces had the appearance of a lion 
And each of the four faces had the face of a man. And each of their four faces had the face of an ox. And each of the four faces had the face of an eagle. There's a myriad of faces there. Not just four faces, but a myriad of faces of a lion, man, ox, and eagle. Speaking of the body of Christ, not a capital cherubim, but a little C, which are the living creatures in Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 10, as well as Revelation 4 and Revelation 5 of the living creatures. The Zoe, the living creatures of Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. These four and twenty elders and the four beasts, the four living creatures, sing the song of the redeemed. They are not angels. Revelation 5 tells us that they are the redeemed of the Lord. You're called for that. God has sealed you, sealing you, and sealed you if you have overcome the wicked one. And the word of God is strong in you, then you're going to the next step. We'll get into the next episode. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be blessed. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office, Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606, and help us not only with, with your prayers, your prayerful support, but your finances as well as we're going to Africa, bringing this great word to Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Uh, Congo, the DRC, and Malawi after the first of the year. Please help us. We need your help. Ghana also there in the western Africa. After the first year, we'll be going and called to Pakistan. We need your help. I need your finances. Your prayerful support as well as your finances to help us go. That they have requested us to bring the Jesus-only doctrine of Christ Karachi, Islamabad, Faisalabad, and Lahore. Also, India. Maybe I need your help. Write to me. I look forward to hearing from you. Visit DennisBeard.org, our website. The podcast, search SealingGodsPeople.org. SealingGodsPeople.org is our podcast. And subscribe to us on... YouTube under Dennis Beard Ministries, sailinggodspeople.org. We love to hear from you. Write us. Keep us in your prayers. And also, not only your prayer support, but as God leads, we need your help. And I know that he will bless you. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Dennis Beard Ministries. Until the next time. God's sealing, not only from babes to young children, to the little children, but now from little children to young men. This broadcast here, the podcast about the sealing of young men. Tune in to the next broadcast uh, where it'll be sealing of the Father's Revelation 7, the truth that is now coming from the throne of God in this exciting, dynamic move of the Holy Ghost. Great, not a revival, but the new thing that God's doing in the earth for those that have been the earth. Until the next time, this is SealingGodsPeople.org. Your host, Dennis Beard, saying, Behold the real Jesus. <laughs>